I'm Dr. Wendy Walsh, host of the podcast, Mating Matters. I believe nearly every human behavior is motivated by a desire for love. I love the romantic endings. I believe in happy endings. Sex. Sometimes find myself looking for reasons to have sex. Or to hedge your reproductive odds. I've always been very active. In Mating Matters, we explore how our ancient brains are interacting with the modern world. Listen to Mating Matters on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. For the week of Thursday, April 30th, for another week, coronavirus deaths and cases are up as the U.S. crosses the million cases threshold and deaths rise to over 60,000. But at the midweek mark, stocks are up too, and hopes are as well, on the news that researchers may have identified an effective treatment. In nine states around the country, time is up on the stay-at-home orders and shutdowns. States like Georgia, South Carolina, Montana, and others begin to reopen. And in politics, Joe Biden has chalked up another official primary win in Ohio as the state casts its primary ballots by mail. And he looks poised to seal up a de facto win in the state of New York after that state cancels its primary. We'll talk about all that with our panel, socially distanced up and down the eastern seaboard this week in the lovely enclave of Westchester, New York. Comedian and TV industry insider Noel Kessler is with us on New York's beautiful and balmy Long Island, syndicated radio host and the host of podcast Aggressive Progressive, Chris Hahn. In Washington, D.C., author, Fox News contributor, and the political editor for townhall.com, Guy Benson. And from the Garden State of New Jersey, Grammy winner and Trump campaign advisory board member, Kaya Jones. I'm Clay Aiken in Raleigh, and like pretty much the rest of the world, I'm telecommuting to work, too. We'll chat with these folks online and see if they can shed some light on these issues and perhaps answer the question, how the heck are we going to get along? Joel, Chris, Guy, Kaya, welcome. Hi. Thanks for being with us. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm making it through. How are you doing, Chris? You're in a. I'm doing great. You're in, in I mean, Long look, Island. Uh, turns out that I'm antisocial and I really like walking my dog. So this hasn't been all that bad for me. Are you're not antisocial though? I've, I know I've been around you. There's nothing antisocial about you. Are you becoming you know, I, that way? I know. I mean, I like people, but I've been enjoying the solitude. You know, it's been it's been it's been pretty good. And I, you know, I'm fortunate. I'm I'm, I'm in a very fortunate situation. I can work from home. I can do TV from home. I can do most of my radio from home. Uh, I've got a puppy that's a year old. My wife and my daughters are all healthy. So we've been, you know, spending a lot of time together. I've been doing a lot of long walks with the puppy. I run every day. You know that uh, Clay. It's it's my addiction. And uh, I've been keeping that routine going, and it's been keeping me relatively sane compared to a lot of other people. I've been reaching out. Obviously, here in New York, everybody knows a lot of people who have lost people and maybe even people we know that we've lost. And that's really hard for all of us. Uh, but I think it's it's important to, to stay focused on a routine and what comes next when this is well, over. You're doing better than do me. That, so I've been okay. God bless you're doing better than me. I I saw that guy on ABC. Did you got did you all see the guy on ABC on Good Morning America this week? He had no pants on. Um, yeah, I did. In his yep. in his satellite shot, and I could not help to think. <laughs> 
that maybe he didn't have pants on, not because he was lazy, but because if he's like me, he's sitting at home and getting fat and they don't fit no more. By the way, 95% not- of the time when you see me on Fox News, I don't have pants on. Guy, every time I've debated there- you on Fox News and I've been in my home studio, I have not had pants you on. You know, I did not need to know that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm going to have to change You the don't want me putting pants time. on, Guy. You know how hard I can go without them on. Could you imagine, you know... Oh, God. You know what? Words in that sentence don't need to go together. That Crazy. was weird. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. That was wrong. how are you spending your quarantine, Noel? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm lucky. You know, like, Chris, I'm up here in northern Westchester in North Salem. So it's more horses than people up here. It's all horse farms and hedge funds. So there's a lot of space. I have a uh, like a a big pond and a heron that comes every day in the pond and a barn and all this stuff. We don't have any horses, but my neighbors all have them. So I just go for walks, look at horses, um, think about doing the stuff in the yard that I'm supposed to, you know, be doing, and and I don't. And uh, just trying to stay sane like everybody else, but I feel pretty fortunate. You're not getting any chores done. I was that. I I listen. I'm not gonna lie. I am normally an introvert. I stay at home more under normal circumstances than most anyone else does. But I'm getting a little stir crazy myself even now, and I'm working on trying to renovate a house at the moment. So I have gone to Home Depot, and they have said that they've had more business and sold out of paint more than two or three times uh, at the Home Depot because everybody's doing their projects. Any projects that you're working on, Guy? Well, it's funny that you mentioned paint and that we just mentioned the dude with no pants on ABC. (laughs) What was it yesterday? Because... (laughs) So it, it, this all comes together. Stand by. It's a good story. So Fox just had me change my at-home studio to the office, actually, where I'm currently sitting. So I do my radio show from one side of the room, and they had this new arrangement, basically, with this screen behind me. And it was the best spot in the house for it, except you can see through a doorway that doesn't have an actual door on it into part of a bathroom, which is fine, but the house that we have, we bought this house from the previous owners, and they had painted this bathroom a very, very lime green, electric color green, and it was so distracting that we were looking at the shot, and someone finally just said, is there any chance you can paint not the whole bathroom, but just the part of it that's visible on TV? So we did. We painted like a third of the bathroom, um, and it... It looks good on TV, and I can see it from where I'm sitting now. Gray, where people would be able to see it, and then very bright, like almost blinding green, just a little bit. I got to tell you, eyesight. I'm a little more intrigued about watching Fox now than I ever have been because it sounds like if you watch Fox, you'll catch Chris with no pants on. You might catch someone using the bathroom behind Guy. I mean, the, the ratings are already good, but you, you guys watch could really those, improve them. those outtakes, man. They're out there. <laughs> what about you, Kaya? Any any special projects? Um, no, well, we've been just, uh, my partner and I have just been looking after his family. His dad is actually battling cancer. So, you know, the Corona thing is just added to the stress level we were already dealing with on a daily basis. Um, but I've become quite the chef. So he's kind of the groundskeeper and taking care of his family. And I'm like the chef for everyone here. So I made a London oh. broil tonight and I We're made a butter over. with it. Yeah, come on over. Um, that'd be Your London uh, broil is protected only by social distancing <laughs> orders because otherwise we'd all be there taking some. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm cooking. That's the main thing. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell. I mean, I'll I'll admit the my only case for sanity whatsoever is not. I have stopped watching the news. I just have turned it off. Good. Um, it all seems to be sort of the same thing over and over, but mm-hmm. it just drives me crazy. And I felt like my head has cleared and my spirits have lifted <laughs> since I've taken a news diet. But so, but this week. It was very difficult, even if you don't turn on the news, Mm -hmm. if you go on social media at all, it was very difficult to get away from one of the big moments uh, of the week, the president in a press conference asking some of his advisors if perhaps there should be some research and studies that went into disinfectants and maybe injecting people with disinfectants. Folks took that and ran all different directions with it. Um, I guess there. I've got a few questions here. One, was it blown out of proportion? And two, if it wasn't, if for those who don't think it was blown out of proportion, or or whoever, is is the president hurting himself more by trying to give medical advice? Um, Kaya, you jumped in already. You think it was blown out of proportion? Completely, because I, I, to me, that whole discussion says what I actually adore about this president is that he spitballs a lot of ideas as any entrepreneur does. And that's what he is. He's an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Everyone's thinking he's a politician and he's politicking. He's not. And it was spitballing ideas of different things from ozone therapy, which we know has been used, um, you know, any, any kind of homeopathic methods. I even posted about it because there are things that people are trying and doing. And I think that's where he was leading with, but it got jumped into, well, he's saying inject yourself with bleach. And it's like, so well, Chris, Chris, Chris they, we know, we Chris, we know we that, know that there's will, no Chris, bad idea. There's well, no, <laughs> there are no bad ideas in brainstorming. But should well, brainstorming be taking place it, during the press conference or somewhere exactly. else? Exactly. So, so here's my thing. I, I think it was blown out of proportion for the wrong reasons. It was blown out of the. I would have blown out of proportion because the president of the United States should not be hearing a briefing from a scientist at the same time as I do. He should be paying attention. He should be at work. He should be figuring. He can, you know, people ask stupid questions all the time. And had he asked that stupid question during a private briefing, it would have been leaked to the press, but he could have denied it. It wouldn't have been said in front of the entire nation at once. Look, this is why he won't get reelected. Because the oh, American people come November are going to want somebody who takes the job seriously. And what right. he did, what he showed us last week was he's not doing the work that is needed to recover this economy and to bring us out of this crisis. He needs to pay attention. He needs to ask these questions privately. He needs to pay attention to these briefings. He needs to read his presidential daily brief. He needs to do the work. And if he doesn't turn that around immediately his chances of re-election are going to sink even lower than they are right now. Guy, disagree, agree? I think that if he had asked that type of question in the task force meeting behind closed doors and it leaked, I would probably defend him on the principle that we are facing this global pandemic that is truly awful in every way. And so there isn't anything as a, such as, a, I would say, a bad idea if you are just asking medical professionals and experts, hey, this might sound a little zany, but is there any way to apply this principle to this and come up with some sort of outside-the-box thinking and just throw stuff against the wall and, and see what happens? That's fine in private, I think. And when you're, when you're taking you know, an, a, sick, a kitchen sink approach 
to the problem. I would have no problem with that. I do think that the American people tune into these task force briefings with the hope of getting reliable, vetted, good information about this pandemic. And I just don't think it was helpful to him or anyone else. I do think it was blown out of proportion overall, for sure. Uh, But that's not the time and place for the president to be sort of spitballing and riffing and saying, well, what about what about this? Because you have millions of people watching, listening to the words of a president. I think that he should have been more careful about that. By the way, Clay, you see, you just solved the problem. Guy and I agreed fully. We just said it in different ways. <laughs> well, well, I mean, actually, as I was I listening to Guy speak, I was... did not fully agree. He did <laughs> not. He's, he will not admit like to that. 80% of the he way said, there, Guy. 80%. <laughs> Don't you... But, but, but I was listening to it and thinking, I mean, the truth is, Guy, in a way, you sort of fall somewhere in the middle between what Chris was saying and what, um, and what I heard Kaya say. I think um, that's going to happen it, a lot here. <laughs> Is there, but is there a, but is there an argument for either Chris or Kaya? Ask, I'll, I'll ask Noel this: if if one side is defending the president completely, regardless of, of what he says or does, um, and the other side is saying that it was so awful, regardless of what he says or does, does that? Shr- I mean, what, Guy's position here, I think, is. In my opinion, it's taken by many, many, many more people in the country than in the media. Um, do, do both sides hurt themselves, Noel, by going to the extreme and either defending no matter what or or demonizing no matter what? I, I, I would say yes, they do. And I would say the big problem with what he did, and obviously, in my opinion, and most people's opinion, you know, it's a matter of life and death. So a, a coronavirus press briefing is not the time to be spitballing. But he lost his own credibility the next day when he was asked about it in the Oval Office. And he said he was just being sarcastic. He wasn't mm-hmm. being sarcastic. He looked right at Dr. Burks and asked the question. But when he was questioned about it the next day, he got defensive and said, I was asking you the question. And the reporter said, I wasn't even there. So he lost his. Because he makes because that's a that's a very good point. Does he make does he yeah. make your job harder? Does the president make it yeah, harder to point. defend him? He, does it make it harder to defend him sometimes, yeah. Kyle? Oh, no. You know what? Honestly, in this moment where we have a global pandemic and it's, you know, my literally my partners had four friends who have lost family. I've had two. And this thing is very serious. The fact that it's constantly polarized still like everyone hated him and it's like but they loved him before he ran for office right everyone loved him when he was a billionaire that was funding their campaigns the moment that he decided to fund his own campaign and run then it was like well we hate this guy and they still have like just slandered him and his family for now we're going into four years and now we're in a pandemic no matter what he says if he came up with a cure tomorrow i'm sure that it wouldn't satisfy anyone that doesn't like him so I don't think it I mean, makes listen, my job harder. I don't my know that is, I disagree with. I don't know that I disagree with that last sentence, but but does <laughs> it does it not become? Well, I mean, listen, there. That's it must the be issue. And I think this pod, trying to defend that, him. I know. I know yeah. that they won't admit it. But does it? But, but I, does I've it not get to become difficult privately. for you? Chris, does it not become difficult for you to find something up to upset, be upset about every time he talks? No, look, I mean, I, Clay, no. when the president does something right, I will admit it. I am not. Oh, I don't hate on, Donald really? Trump. I've known Donald Trump my whole life, almost. I mean, not personally, but I. I mean, the first time I met him was at a fundraiser for Chuck Schumer, and the second time I met him was at a fundraiser for Hillary Clinton. But I've yeah. known him, 
as a, a person in my life, as a New Yorker, since I was a little kid. So I don't have any animosity towards him. I just don't think he's doing a good job being president of the United States. Like we just said, he's not taking the, the job seriously, spitballing at a briefing that leads to hundreds or thousands of people calling poison control around the country but to find until, out if they should take Lysol. I'm going to ask kind of funny. But not good. Until, I think no, it, that's been fact-checked. Yeah, yeah, it has been fact-checked. But up until this pandemic, did you think he did anything right? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm being serious now because every single thing that he has accomplished, I, I we will had an give incredible you the thing economy. I always pointed to that I thought he did right. I liked the Vets Choice Act that allowed VA, you know, veterans who yeah, are, were using the VA to have an option to go to different places like urgent care units, etc. I have a uh, my father-in-law is a veteran, likes to use the VA here in New York. He actually just moved to Florida right before this pandemic, and it was very them. difficult for him to get to the VA. Mm-hmm. I like that that act that they put together, that the president put together early in his administration, and I've constantly credited him for that. What and about the right to try? Frankly, I, and, and quite frankly, I was on Fox News, you know, the day after he won and the weekend after he won, and everybody thought I was going to cry and say bad things. And I said, no, I said, good luck. <laughs> You're the president of the United States. I wish you well. I, I had a very, you know, I want you to succeed. I hope you become the pragmatic New Yorker that I thought you might be. He didn't owe the Republican Party anything. He didn't owe Wall Street anything. But he squandered that opportunity. He became this thin-skinned, uh, all, right. all grievance all the time person. Exactly. And he hasn't done well in the job. And quite frankly, now that we're in a crisis, that's going to take years for us to get out of. We need somebody who's going to take the job seriously. And he's just not that guy. I would say that there have been some elements of this response that have been really good, like the ventilator shortage. And he's griped about this because he does grouse about things. But it was an obsession, a singular obsession of the press and all these questions. And they moved heaven and earth to alleviate that problem and really spin up American production of ventilators to the point that we're going to be swimming now in ventilators. And everyone just sort of filed it away, barely acknowledged that success, where not a single person in this country was denied a ventilator, when there seemed to be a real risk that that could be the case, and moved on to the next thing. So I feel like he sometimes is his own worst enemy because of all the grievances and the pettiness. But well, I feel yeah, like no one lets him do his job. But I Nobody's think it, it also it's a two-job. He wants, he wants to be rewarded for it. He's no, like, Chris Rock had not- the great line, I take care of my kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids. The right. president's supposed to do his job. He's not supposed to get applause every time he does his yeah, job. But the, the problem this is, is the problem with this guy. He thinks I, he's I, on I The Apprentice. Heard- he wants to have a standing O every time he speaks. Can I jump in for a second? I worked on The Apprentice. I took care of the Trump family. I've known Trump since the 90s. I did all his beauty pageants in the 90s. I did the pres- you know, the, the, all the six seasons of Celebrity Apprentice. Clay, you were on in 2012. Four out of five shooting days, Trump would cancel at the last minute. He doesn't want to work. He likes music playing when, when he walks in the room. He likes the pretty <laughs> girls looking at him. He likes the pomp and circumstance. He doesn't have the self-discipline to buckle down and really do the work. And that press conference is a perfect example. It, it's yeah. all about him and real leadership is this isn't about me. This is about saving your, you know, the people's lives. And that exactly. requires 
getting out of your own way and having the humility to be like, I'm going to suffer these slings and arrows for the greater good. Trump doesn't let go of a grievance. I've seen that guy complain about things that happened 10 years earlier. You know, but are yeah. liberals letting go a- of grievances either? I mean, listen, yeah. let's be honest. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a progressive. I'm a Democrat. Kaya, don't, I'm, I just don't like bullshit. So that's why I call it out. I mean, are yeah. Democrats, are Democrats letting go of grievances either? Can, can it I tell seems you a, to me, a grievance? It no. seems, let me finish my question now. It seems to me, <laughs> it seems to me that both sides, Kaya, don't cheer too much, girl, because both sides seem to have, cho- you know, I, I'm a Tar Heels fan. And if the Tar Heels aren't playing, well one season, then I'll continue to cheer for him. I'll continue. To, I mean, I'm still going right. to be. Right. But that's okay with sports teams. It's not necessarily okay with politicians. <laughs> if a politician, but it seems like we now root for politicians in the same way we people root for sports teams by cheering them on, even when they're not playing well. Is that a, is that not a problem, Kaya? Is that not a problem, Chris and Noel? Um, I, I mean, I, I've got to give you props. Guy, I don't agree with you on a lot of the things you say, but I have to say, you seem today to, and and especially through this out this pandemic, to be talking about, you know, the reality of yes, some of the stuff needs to be better. Some of the stuff needs to be, um, some of the stuff he's doing a good job at. And I think sometimes that what guys doing here tonight is more dangerous because you just piss everybody off. Um, so both both sides, Democrats are just as guilty of not acknowledging a win. Because God forbid we give anyone a a win because they might use it to be reelected, and mm-hmm. God forbid we give Democrats a win if we're a, if we're Trump, um, and not attack them for something because then we might hurt our chances. Uh, I mean, is this something well, I, that people can be I cured mean, of, spe- Kaya? I don't I don't know how you cure something that feels you know it, it feels very like conscious. The thought of you know remember the. The, right away when he got into office, it was impeach him. And and that kind of stuck up until, you know, literally this pandemic. And, and even after this pandemic, it's like, well, now we're going to impeach him on what he didn't do enough of. And it's like, okay, there was nothing to impeach him on. You guys stuck to that instead of working on policy, policies that could really have brought the DNC, like, you know, you have Joe Biden now, And I'm sorry, I'm going to say, you know, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is like elderly abuse with Joe Biden. He's like speaking. No, it's not. It's it's funny, but it's not. He's six months older than the president and he's in better shape. Yeah. And he actually also said that, you know, the only one that should be reelected is Donald Trump. I mean, this is coming from his own mouth. Like, this is who Kaya, your candidate Kaya, is. Well, but you know, Kaya, Chris, do you I, not I, have I, the I, same grievances? Don't you think that the, repre- the president seems to be actively the, coming for Democrats? Where's the diversity, I mean, though, from the D- Democratic so, Party that we've heard so, so much about? There, there's a lot of diversity in the Democratic Party. <laughs> really? Um, really? Kaya, Kaya, it just sounds ticket. like you grabbed a talking point right up off the floor uh, right there. Really? <laughs> I mean, like, well, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. You know what I mean? Like, all of the, you know, there, there's no well, Pacific I mean, Islander anymore. There's no Asian American. And look at, all look the at our congressional delegation and our Senate delegation. And, an and look at guy. the Republican delegation. And you'll Let's see Let's get diversity. Guy in here for a second. You'll see which party's diverse. I yes, look, guys, go back my grievance. <laughs> yeah, do yours, Chris, grievance. and then I don't want to get Guy to speak because I'm hoping, uh, look, Lord, help us. <laughs> I have a grievance that I am very concerned about. For eight yes. years, I went on Fox News and defended Obamacare against Republicans who said the government should not be interfering in p- 
decisions between doctors and patients. And now every Republican who fought me on that was talking about hydroxychloroquine and bleach as if the president's words are God, if the president should be giving prescription advice. That is a big grievance for me. I want to see Republicans and conservatives be consistent. The president should not be up there at the podium giving medical advice, period. No, that's why he has the task force. Right. So let me address that. I think that the president probably overhyped hydroxychloroquine a little bit. I also probably. don't fault him. Well, listen. But it's known so, to have so did, worked. So did Governor Cuomo, right? The, okay. Cuomo was excited about this and Trump was excited about this, not for no reason, but because a lot of doctors were prescribing it and seeing some positive benefits. I've had doctors on my radio show who said, absolutely, I prescribed it. And it has either a positive benefit or a neutral effect. And we've also learned that for some people with heart conditions, it can be negative. I just feel like we can look at hydroxychloroquine and say, okay, it will work for some people with COVID-19. It will do nothing for others. And we should be careful. It might be harmful for another group of people. Doctors should make these decisions. That's reasonable. But going back to the previous point, it feels like because everything become becomes about Donald Trump, it feels like there are people in the press and on the left who were actively rooting against hydroxychloroquine and working for people. And there were people Guy. on the right it's saying true. it's, it's true. a miracle cure Guy and, and anyone Kay, who questions I, 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 it. You're both wonderful people. Everything becomes Guy's about right, Donald though. Trump. What he's saying is but correct. I mean, the media Girl, he just called you wonderful. Let him talk. Be, everything <laughs> comes, becomes people. about Donald Trump. Because that's the way Donald Trump wants it. He I wants so, everything actually. to be about him, and he wants everything to be fit into a nice 24-hour yeah, news cycle, don't have which to is go impossible along with in that. this pandemic. We have our own brains and our own cr- rational thinking and critical thinking, so we don't have to say, look at this drug. Let's see how I should feel about it based on partisan tribalism. Let's look at whether it's working or not and see what the studies show. Like, I don't think that's a crazy thing, but sometimes I feel like I'm the one who's crazy. Is no, that, guy, is that just putting an, Hold on, is that just putting an asterisk beside this, though, guy? I mean, by by saying we can ignore what the, what's going on with the president wanting to have the attention for himself, we can ignore those things. I mean, that just well, sounds no, to me like we're going to take put an asterisk beside him, and we're not going to treat him like we, you know, we're not going to listen to him in the same way we listen to all the presidents we've had in the past. We well, know no, I, these I, things. About I'm not him. saying that. I'm just saying. It's not like Donald Trump today in this pandemic is behaving in a way that is unusual for him over the course of his entire adult life. The man is it that unusual we for a U.S. president, though? Of course it is. He's an unusual president, and he's been a very unusual politician. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad and drives me crazy. But it's not like, oh, my God, where did this guy come from? This is who he's always been. This is who was elected, for better and for worse. For worst. <laughs> <laughs> No, get in here. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I think you make a great point about the tribalism, and that's what scares me most. Most about what's going on now is it's like you're either on our side or the other side, and you know, you're right. Look at Larry Hogan. Look at Mike Dewin. There's a lot of governors that are incredibly popular in their own states. Larry Hogan is popular with Democrats and Republicans in Maryland. We have to be able to say when the other side is doing a good job. I mean, that's what we need. That's obviously what what a lot of this podcast is about. That being said, Donald Trump makes that harder than anyone else because every day he's tweeting about the no, you know, do nothing Democrats. He's the the biggest one sort of dividing us and polarizing us. And and let's talk about some of those. Go ahead, finish. 
no, no, that's that's was only my point. I want to talk about some of these governors because yes, governors have been taking very much a front and center uh, role in this entire Mm -hmm. process. A lot of them have caught heat from their party, from from the other from their other party, their own party. Wherever Ron DeSantis in Florida, Brad Little in Idaho, uh, Kay Ivey in Alabama, um, Brian Kemp in Georgia, all of these states have decided to start opening their states up. Um, Georgia, I think, is probably. Georgia Although, has probably been Georgia, Wisconsin well, and uh, Montana. There are a few. There are a few states governed by Democrats that are. That and are also California, up. Gavin Newsom, Col- in California Colorado. has started talking about opening his as well. I mean, governors in in multiple states have started opening. Um, but but I want to talk first about Brian Kemp in Georgia because I think he's the one who got the most news. He did it first. Um, he did not get support from President Trump uh, necessarily. I mean, I guess sometimes it's hard to tell whether well, he did before he didn't. Before he didn't. So, so, but are are some of these governors moving too quickly for the science guy? I think it remains to be seen because is a that, lot is of is that something we're comfortable with? Right. Look, I tend to be on the side of the task force. I think the reason that Trump, quote-unquote, flip-flopped on Kemp was, I think when he spoke to Kemp before the announcement, it's like, hey, we're going to start doing some of this stuff. We want to start reopening. That all sounds good to Trump. Then the plan actually comes out, and his advisors, Burks and Fauci and others, say, Mr. President, some of these businesses that are being allowed to reopen in Georgia, they're in phase two, and Georgia hasn't even gotten to phase one complete yet. You can't endorse a governor's plan that directly contradicts our plan, which is why Trump then came around and said, I don't like what Kemp is doing. I'm very interested to see what happens in Texas, what Governor Abbott just announced. I saw Dr. Burks endorsed it and said it's a good plan. I'm very eager to see. I had Chris Sununu on the show the other day, governor of New Hampshire, 89 percent approval rating in New Hampshire, which is sort of wild. And I asked him about this and he said, my whole thing is to be radically honest and transparent and accessible to the people of New Hampshire. He said he thinks Governor Kemp is going too fast in Georgia, but he had the humility. He said, look, we're going to be watching it like a hawk. And if some of the bad doomsaying doesn't come true, you better believe we're going to be watching Georgia as sort of the people who went first and looking to that as an example. So it's kind of an experiment. Uh, Hopefully it will turn out well, and hopefully it won't have some of these cascading effects that we've read about. 13 Days of Halloween, a remote hotel... This, my friend, is Hawthorne Manor. The most unusual guests... They sound like someone you trust. Trick or treat! No, sweetie, don't touch it, don't look at it. A tour guide that can't be trusted. Was it luck or fate that placed you here? We'll never know. And the newest arrival is you. Why are you here again? I know. Starring Keegan-Michael Key as the caretaker. Please make yourself at home. After all, this is it. Produced in three-dimensional binaural audio to place you right in the center of the story in ways you'll have to hear to believe. For full exposure, listen with headphones or AirPods. One story each night, starting October 19th and ending on Halloween. From iHeartRadio and Blumhouse Television, listen to Aaron Mankey's 13 Days of Halloween on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I knew they were going to kill him. Please ain't help me out. This is Fight Night, a new podcast from iHeartRadio. This is the story about two guys from opposite sides of the street. 
a hustler blamed for robbing the most dangerous gangsters in the country. This is like issued a, a death warrant for me for something that I don't even know anything about. And the cop who tried to save his life. They thought he had robbed the deadliest man in this country. Guys who would not hesitate to blow your head off. In 1970, Muhammad Ali triumphantly returned to the ring. At the hustlers party that followed, gangsters from around the country were robbed of a million dollars. This story from Atlanta, Georgia has been reported for 50 years. But now, for the first time, you're going to hear what really happened from the people who lived it. Listen and follow Fight Night on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Kaya, how does how does it sit with you that the president supported opening the economy and then after a governor did that, a Republican governor, his own party did that, he backed off? I think that he's working great with all of the governors, and I think it's their time to step up. This is how you know that he's not, you know, what a lot of people have claimed is that he's this dictator. If he was a dictator, he would be telling everybody what to do in their sectors where you can't do that because every single state is very different. If you have a state that only has 10 cases and another one that has 10,000 cases, right. you, you, you can't. It is very, you know, case by case. And the fact that he's working so well with Cuomo and working so well with DeSantis and all of the different governors, I mean, he really Newsom. is. And, I, and he, Newsom, he's doing great stuff with Newsom. And Newsom is, you know, a staunch Democrat. So it's like, you know, it, it, that in these moments, we have to see that everybody's trying to work together. And that's the but main when germs goal. don't know, when germs don't stop at the state line, when, when viruses, I mean, I'm in North Carolina, South yeah. Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee are all reopening. North Carolina's governor has decided not to do that yet. Virginia's has not moved forward in that way yet. Interestingly, again, Republicans in Tennessee, Georgia, and South Carolina, Democrats in, in North Carolina and Virginia. Um, listen, if when someone from South Carolina comes to North Carolina, Georgia... It, does that not demand a national response um, just because we're not isolated in these state silos where no one's moving around, Chris? I think so. At least a regional response. I mean, you can make an argument for some of these big, empty states like Nebraska and Montana that are not really that tightly packed. But on the East Coast North Carolina, South Carolina, the Northeast completely, where everybody's on top of each other. You really do need a regional approach, at least in the major population areas. Even when we talk about Tennessee, you know, they say Tennessee is reopening, but six of the counties in Tennessee, where most of the people in Tennessee live, are not reopening. And the question is, how is that reopening in these more rural counties going to affect the cities? And I guess that's going to be an experiment. I think the problem we've had is there hasn't been this national approach. And Kaya said something about Trump and not being a dictator. He's not a dictator because he's too lazy to be a dictator. If he wasn't so lazy and wanted to put the work in, he would be trying to be a dictator right now based on some of the statements keep, he's uh, made. Your, your narrative has to stick. You can't say... He's, you know, he's like a dictator, which is what you guys have really taken a stance with, that he's like Hitler. These are the things that have been said. I've never man. said that about him. I never. Well, have. I mean, I mean, so, in fairness, I mean, you know, I'm, not, I'm not your typical no, talking you, points liberal. With, I mean, if you should listen to the aggressive progressive have. podcast or watch me on Fox, you'll know. You, uh, get you know, that plug I in, call it like I see it. <laughs> 
No, but I mean, you, but Kaya, you, you on did, the other hand, I think a lot of people, a lot of progressives, a lot of progressives, Kaya, Kaya would would turn to Republicans and say, yes, but the one thing, one of the very big things that Donald Trump ran on and a lot of his supporters loved him for was that he promised to be a strong leader and keep America safe and make yeah. the decisions that other leaders right. were afraid to make. And right. in this scenario, Noel, right. no. is he making this, is he not, let me, I'm going to, well, you can get to it, but in in this scenario, Noel, is is Trump being a strong leader, making decisions that no one else will make? Absolutely not. And he's passing the buck on to the states and the governors, and that's completely dangerous. We're a month away from the start of the summer season. You know, I go to Nantucket every summer. You take a ferry to get there that's tightly packed. What happens with this soft open all over the country? It starts getting warm out. People start traveling. All the New Yorkers go out to, you know, where Chris is. They're out in the Hamptons. They're there already. They start going yeah. out to, you know, Nantucket, to these islands. And there isn't a national sort of mandate of, of the discipline you need to, to make, you know, to flatten the curve. But he the doesn't have the power pass- to do that. What do you think we've been doing for the past two months? He can lead, though. He can ask. He's not even asking. He well, He's just on. It's up to you. Hang on. I, I actually think that this is an unfair criticism because he did briefly for like a day say, I have all the power to do this. And people freaked out, I think rightfully, saying, nope, that's not how the Constitution works. It is up to governors. And then he said, you're right. It's up to governors. And then people are like, he's passing the buck. It's one of these yeah. he can't win well, scenarios. That's, he can't that's win. not entirely and by the accurate, way, Let me just make one more, one guy, more point. That's it is not accurate. Let him finish, Chris. No. Chris, let him finish, because I think it he actually, has a point. I don't agree. <laughs> I think he makes a point. It is, it is accurate. It's the governors who make these police yeah. power type decisions in their states. There right. does have to be a national strategy, and the national strategy is the reopening three-tiered, three-phase plan that was endorsed specifically and explained by Fauci and Burks, who've been talking about this being local and state and how you have to start doing things on different timelines. It's not like Trump said New York has to wait longer and Nebraska can go sooner. That's what Fauci's been saying now for weeks. Right. So okay, I think guy, he makes the point, Chris. Convince me he's wrong. Yep. So, Guy, what the president said early on, not early on, just a couple of weeks ago, was I have the power to order the states open. The governors re- revolted. So did some Republican senators, rightfully. They revolted. And then the president backed down. But what a leader is supposed to do is be a servant, right? They're supposed to say to the people fighting the war on the front lines, what do you need from me? What the governors, all of them, Republicans and Democrats, have said is we need a national testing strategy. We need to get this out to our public so we can test, 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 test. The president has pushed that on to the governors for reasons I don't know. He doesn't want to use the Defense Production Act to do anything but make sure you have bacon on your plate in the morning for some godforsaken reason. Okay, he needs to lead. He hasn't led. This is look. We're going to be done with this guy in November. He's not getting reelected. There's going to be a new Republican Party that forms out of it. Hopefully people like you, Guy, who I do have a lot of respect for, who I think have a lot of opinions and issues that you that you truly stand for, will run that party. And we will get to a place where we're debating how government should run and not the daily grievance. And we'll find a leader on both sides that's a servant that will take responsibility for their action. And if you look at Mike DeWine and if you look at Andrew Cuomo and other governors whose ratings have risen dramatically, even Sununu, who you had on your program, 
program, they are taking responsibility for what is going on in their states. Donald Trump takes no responsibility. He wants to say he's a wartime president. I don't remember Franklin Delano Roosevelt saying to the 50 or 48 states during World War II, you guys figure out how you're going to fight those Germans and Japanese and and let me know how it goes. That comparison fails on a couple different levels. But look, I think I have some problems with Trump's leadership style. I understand that. I also think one of my biggest concerns during all of this was that Trump would get out over his skis and would not listen to his own experts, but he actually has. Fauci and Burks are really good at their jobs, and they have said publicly when they came to him with recommendations, he took them. He's also designated the vice president to do a lot of the running of the show in terms of the daily task force work. And I think whatever you think of Vice President Pence's politics, I think he's been superb. I think he's done a really good job and apparently has an excellent relationship with every single governor. So some of the delegation that Trump has done here, whether you want to call it passing the buck or not, has been successful, and I'm glad that he did it. Okay, Kaya, so I... I, I think I still think the guy makes a very good point about Trump saying he had the power, people losing it, and then him giving the power back or, or conceding he didn't have the power and people saying he was passing the buck. I'm gonna get, or if we had points here, I'd give a point to, to Guy for that. I will say, Chris, he does also have, right? I need one. I need a horn sometimes. Um, with, uh, but Chris does make a point, Kaya, when he says, that there are some components that still need a national strategy. And and there have been moments when when Trump has directly said, not the federal government's problem. How how do do people defend the president when he says this this ventilator stockpile, this this pi- stockpile of PPE, these this equipment, mm-hmm. this money is not for the state's use? You're on your own when it comes to that. Is how how can Trump say to how can the president say to any of his fifty governors, "You're on your own for these things"? When we're under a national emergency, and he's declared a national emergency in those states. Well, because it, it is a national emergency, but I do think that he truly he has said today. I don't know if you watched the press briefing today, but he said openly that you know, certain states that are going through phase one, um, they're going to have to revisit certain things within a few weeks. This is not just, okay, well, everything's open and now let's just keep going. Okay. We have to take proper measures. He is the president. So currently we're slandering the guy that's doing everything that he can, that gets three hours a night's sleep, as much as I know everyone wants to think that, you know, he's lazy and he's all of those things, right? Even though his economy was phenomenal before this happened. Well, before um, you go he, down that path, I want to just I want to just congratulate you on spinning the hell out of the question that I asked you. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm, no, thing. I'm not. How I'm can not. he? Okay, what I am to. saying, in my opinion, what I do think we see happening, which I think is phenomenal, is every single governor now has to do their job. And what that means but, but so, is so, they were so then so you're saying you're saying that it is the governor's job to procure to worry about the materials their and the and that it is not the president's job to worry about those people. Of course it's it's his responsibility to to worry about So then those answer people. the question that I asked which was how can he say to those governors what we have is the federal government's you guys are on your own. 
well, I feel like you're taking one specific narrative and pinpointing that that's the end all be all. I don't believe. Well, I mean, well, well, then we can use the specific narrative necessary. Let's just talk about the ventilators. You're on your own. You need to get your own materials. This stuff. Well, except that's not what he did, though. Like that's not what he did. So he actually deployed the federal stocks stockpile to the states that needed them. Actually, their ventilator strategy was a huge success. Like I would go after the testing. If you want to criticize him and the national strategy, I would focus on testing and not ventilators because the ventilators work. Thanks guys. (laughs) Respond to that one, girl. Okay. In Nevada, no, in Nevada today, I mean, they're doing about 10,000 tests a day. Not hundreds, 10,000 At the direction of the governor of Nevada or under a plan implemented by the federal government? Under the, under the direct, the governor who reports to the so, president. So, so, so the governor then, does not report to the president. Yes, he is, does. No, he does not. Ugh. The governor of Nevada does not report to the president. That's not so how So you're saying that all of the governors are not reporting directly to the president to find out about getting funding. You're saying that that doesn't they happen. They consult well, with we'll him. I think what you're saying, I think what you're saying, Kaya, is that they're consulting with the president. They don't report to him as in they answer to him. Or you're no, saying governors they, do answer to the president. Are, that, that was a question for me. I didn't know. No, if you I mean, that's a question for you. Yeah, I'm asking you. Do you think yeah, governors they, need to they, answer to the president as 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 if? Well, no, you know, they need to tell him. The they need to work with him and tell them tell him what they need, where they're at, where their people and when, are at. And when they identify what they here, need, when they what, identify what, what they need, need, like testing, is, what is his responsibility? When people need testing, what is his responsibility? When the governors identify those things for the president, what is his responsibility to the governors? To supply them with those tests. Okay, right. so then, so Chris, right. take him. So I, I'm, again, I still don't get where you're trying to pigeon this. What I'm saying, when you, Kaya, you just made my point. I mean, Clay made it. He was a perfect attorney there. I thought I was the attorney, and you were the <laughs> golden voice, you know, America's favorite guy. Uh, singers, I, honestly, singers know I, how to speak singer language. That was as I good think as your final performance on, yeah. on uh, well, as that we season know, two. With attorneys, but it was, it was, but as it, we know it, with attorneys, it's the question, right? But, you, you're prepping but, a question, and the question you're saying is basically what I, whatever I say, it doesn't matter because you've already but, had it in your narrative that he's wrong. Well, you no, just, no, I just asked you, Kaya, 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 you just said that the president should get the tests for the governors. He hasn't. He has. No, he hasn't. No. Not he's enough. Also bit, he, not he's enough. Been There's the, the answer. There's the truth. Not enough. Why not? not? Enough. He hasn't. <laughs> Kaya. So you're saying, wait, wait, which one is it? He hasn't, he hasn't done it or it's not enough? He has not when gotten the test that the governors, even Republican governors, have asked for. And he is responsible for doing that. He has the power under the Defense Production Act to get it done, and he's and we know not if he using it. The that, governors he are on their own. Well. It is sad when the when governors are going to their own sources and competing against each other for supplies around the country. It, it and the federal government. The president should take control of the supply chain, logistics. Well, they, they they actually have done that with, and they have this. Uh, one of the admirals, I'm trying to remember his name, who sort of was brought in to make sure that those types of uh, redundancies weren't happening anymore. So they've gotten a lot better on that. But testing isn't where it needs to be. I think, yes, the buck stops with leaders. It's not always that the buck needs to stop always and forever with the federal government. There is a degree of responsibility for state and local governments. There's no question about that. What the federal government needs to do 
is work with the states. And when Governor Cuomo says we need 30,000 ventilators, which they didn't, but they thought they did, they moved heaven and earth to get them as many ventilators as humanly possible. And they had an excess number of ventilators. They said, we're going to run out of hospital beds. They sent the Army Corps of Engineers in there and turned the Javits Center into a hospital and sent the USNS Comfort up the Hudson River. So and there actually filled? has been... No, and, and they had almost no patients no, because, thank God, go. we, we flattened the curve. Social right? distancing worked. People listened. Right. Correct. Right. Correct. But I'm saying, to I think it is an oversimplification to say Trump has a responsibility and he's failing and they're not doing the work and he doesn't care. He actually has orchestrated some very impressive wins on this front, which is not to say that he's doing everything perfectly communicating perfectly or exaggerating the testing because they keep saying this X million number of tests with no context. And that isn't a useful statistic to sort of paper over the problem. But you can identify they're doing well on A, B and C. They're struggling on X and Y. Hopefully they're getting better on X and Y without sounding like you're constantly dumping on the guy, which is what I think turns a lot of his supporters off. Um, so this week we saw a uh Finally, the long-awaited endorsement of Joe Biden by um, 2016 Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton. And so, Noel, I, I want to start with you and ask, who the hell was waiting for that one? <laughs> for Joe Biden's endorsement? For Hillary Clinton's endorsement? Yes. Was anyone? <laughs> was anyone sitting no. around thinking, huh? No. I don't know. Yeah, no. Absolutely not. Um, so, so does it help him? Does it hurt him? I mean, Hillary Clinton did not win uh, the Electoral yeah. College vote in 2016. Is she a valuable endorsement um, for Joe Biden, or did it just have to happen because, you know? I, I think it just had to happen. I don't think it's a valuable endorsement. I think Obama's endorsement is what's going to push him, you know, further over the line. I think that's going to generate excitement. Um I think Hillary's endorsement was more just, you know, protocol. But, um, Chris, yeah. Chris, do you worry that, that Joe Biden's absence from the news cycle throughout this coronavirus um, will hurt him? Or do you think that President Trump's presence during the coronavirus uh, crisis will hurt the president more? I, I don't think it hurts him at all. This is going to sound surprising to you. I think that what Joe Biden does or says between now and November is almost irrelevant. Not totally irrelevant, but almost irrelevant. D did you not think the that a little bit in 2016, though, uh, no, when Donald no, Trump became different. the nominee? Oh, it, it's different. And let me tell you why. The, the American people are focused. They are going to be very aware of the economic realities and the medical health realities of where this country is in October. And barring some miracle change in direction between now and November, both in the economy and the COVID-19 situation, and quite frankly, the way the president has been handling things, he won't win. He will lose badly, and he will take a lot of Republicans with him that otherwise we aren't even thinking about right now. Tom Tillis in North Carolina, where you are, is in absolute danger right now as are some other people that we might not be thinking about, maybe Cornyn in Texas. There are 
realities that are going to be at play here that are not traditional politics. This is not going to be a traditional election year where a 30-second ad that really breaks through is going to make a big difference, or an endorsement from Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or George W. Bush coming out and supporting Biden or Trump. None of that's going to matter. The American people are going to know how they feel. And, and voters, and I've worked on a million campaigns, voters almost always vote on feeling. But in this situation, they are going to have the reality staring in their face. And, and for those people who think that opening up is going to make things better, I think when people come out of their homes and see the carnage that is left of our economy, it's going to make things worse for Donald Trump. Chris Hahn, the optimistic you know, so progressive. Inter- what did you say? <laughs> I said the optimistic progressive. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that, and I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about where we are in this country right now. And, And honestly, it's not all his fault. But when you are the leader, you are responsible. I have been retweeting this tweet that Donald Trump put out back in 2013 about when you are the leader, it is your responsibility, even when it's not your responsibility. Well, I was going to accept it. Kai, I was going to give you the the floor completely, but I'm going to tee you up instead. Um, A lot of people would argue, a lot of people would argue that when we come out of this and the economy is in ruins and in shambles, that... Trump may be able to make the argument that it wouldn't have been in ruins if we had not shut down as much as Democrats wanted it to be shut down. Um, so I'm going to leave that there for you and let you um, make your oh make your case for why Trump might not be in as much trouble as Chris thinks he is. Because he got us to the best economy possible before this. And I think if anyone can get us out of it, it is a businessman. It's not a politician and it's not someone who's going to bring up talking points that are neither here nor there. Currently, every single American is worrying about how am I going to get my job back or a job and how am I going to put food on the table? They don't really are they worrying care. about that more. Are they worried more about that than getting sick? I would say so, because the, 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 the latter is suicide. The latter is starvation. And let's not forget a lot but, of the but Democrats. The, but the ran former around, might be wait, deaf. Hold on. Hold on. A right. lot of the Democrats said, bring on the recession. They wished for this. They wished for people to lose their jobs and be in a dire strait because why? The wealthier just get wealthier. So the Bill Mars of the world who were championing, don't laugh, it's not funny. We know it's this funny is because because we're wrong, but it is a little not, bit way, we're, not, we're not in it a recession. Hyperbole. We are in a depression. And trust me, it's different. It may yeah. it may not be funny, but it is a little bit hyperbole because I don't think, and I wonder sometimes if that's not what both sides end up running into trouble with. Guy, do do we end up turning more people off with hyperbole and blanket statements like Democrats wanted a recession? I think any reasonable person would know that no one wanted a recession. Um, oh, but but, but does hyperbole hurt either side, Guy? I don't know. I think people are pretty disgusted with politics broadly. So, and both sides do this kind of stuff. So look, I partially agree with Chris in that it's going to depend on how people feel in September and October. And we just don't know what that's going to be. Chris paints a picture that is plausible where things really don't get better or it's plodding along and people are really in a, a bad funk and the economy is not coming back and there's you know a second a second wind of this awful virus and then I think it's very likely Trump loses. If 
therapies start coming online like remdesivir some really good news on that today some really good news i think on the vaccine front from oxford a few other places this operation warp speed that the trump administration has started on making sure we can get a hundred million vaccines ready to go as soon as possible i think that's really smart if people feel like we're out of the worst of it with the pandemic and we've got our arms around it and the economy's starting to come back and they're not blaming Trump for the pandemic and they're angry at China as they should be, I think mm-hmm. that there's very much a clear path for him to win re-election. I'm just saying I can't look in my crystal ball and tell you what the facts on the ground are going to be in September and give you some sort of confident prediction about Trump being toast or Trump being a lock. I think it's going to depend on events, and we don't, we don't know yet. Um, I'll say is there this, anything guy, that could... guy, I'll say this. He will either win big or lose big. This is not going to be a nail biter. Well, yeah. well, you just changed your you just changed their tune there because about 2 minutes ago you were thinking there was no chance uh, no, no, he no, could no. win. I, so but now you're thinking he might no, be able to win no, big. Clay, Clay, what I said was <laughs> what I said was unless there is some sort of miracle turnaround, which I don't see happening. What would that look like? What would what would that look like um I'll ask, Oh yes, I'll ask please. You. What would that look like? I would say okay. under 10% unemployment, um, the economy moving in the right direction, a vaccine and people feeling safe to go out and go to work and go to dinner, uh, still obviously being careful, but that's where we would need to be. And I don't know that if that's like a miracle. I don't know how you if get that happens, because under, under 10% unemployment, unemployment is not... Under any circumstances. Chris, under 10% unemployment is not that far off. So I want to ask, Noel, if that were to happen, if everything that if everything that Chris just stated were to happen, would Democrats be able and willing to credit the president for any of it? <laughs> no. Uh Honestly, probably not. There's probably enough damage done at this point that that no Democrats are going to want to live any longer under Trump's leadership. And like so, Chris Kaya, said, did I you mean, just get your point made for you? <laughs> yep. No, I, I well, actually, but listen to what I, I'm saying. Wait, hold on, hold on, but, Kaya. Did, did you? No, I, I. What I was actually saying is I completely disagree. A lot of my friends that are liberal. Hold on now. Hold on. Let's be real careful Democrats. about what he. Let's be careful about what you're disagreeing with. Because I, no, I, I, I just want to make just, sure you didn't did. zone out. Because I asked Noel if Democrats would be willing to give the president credit if the economy turned back and around. He said, he, said he said no. no. I asked you no. if that proved your point for you, and you said no. No, no, because it. it well, my point is that no matter what he does, yeah. Yeah, okay. it does be the point. But. Take the take the bow when you can, girl. Take the point. <laughs> yeah. Well, can I, <laughs> I, I have friends this? that are liberals and Democrats in Hollywood that are literally calling me and saying, I'm really sorry I slandered you for four years because you voted for this guy. I want to vote for him this round. This is literally what I'm hearing because they're right. actually watching. They're watching. It, now that everyone's contained to their home, they're having to watch him in these press briefings, which I know a lot of you disagree that they shouldn't be happening because he's horrible at them. I disagree because they're actually seeing now who who's on what side and do they really care about the American people at the end of the day? No, I think they should be happening. I think they should just be shorter and more focused. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I would just say this. I disagree with Chris that it's either going to be a big win or a big loss. Maybe, right? It, uh, anything can happen. I see a scenario, though, where it's totally plausible that we'd have another nail-biter, namely if things go back to quasi-semi-normal, where people feel not scared out of their minds and a little bit hopeful, that might be just enough for people to go back to their normal polarized status quo, where it's like people go back to their battle stations and we have another very close 
electoral college mm. fight. It's well, totally possible. You know what? I, I, will, I will say uh, twice twice in this in this podcast, I have found myself agreeing with Guy Benson because I do think it'll be closer than, uh, and that's why I call, I'm calling the optimistic uh, progressive right now, Chris, because I think it'll be closer. <laughs> Tom Tillis, a poll came out, um, a big statewide poll in North Carolina came out just yesterday. Uh, Tom Tillis, within one point of his opponent, um, it's it's not it's going to be a lot closer on races like that than I think people um, on either side want to believe it is. Um, I want to move on to our quick fire round, but before we go, I do want to make one quick point, um, which is somewhat illustrating, uh, illustrative, sorry, uh, of the twenty twenty campaign, and say that the question and the topic for this segment was about Joe Biden. And the question that started this all was about Joe Biden and whether or not um, his chances were improved by him being out of the spotlight right now. And despite asking a question about Joe Biden, we never mentioned him again. Um, yeah, well, he, <laughs> no one ever mentioned him again. I said he was basically irrelevant because I'm and right. I think that there may be. A, I think that for that reason, I may end up having to give Chris a point there because I, this is my first it is going to come down to Trump. No, we are <laughs> friends. I'm giving you the point. Just why is it when I give people points, they don't want to take them? Damn it! I gave you the point, and I said. You may have you may have that one because it doesn't seem to matter at the moment. It all seems to be about whether Donald Trump is going to win re-election or whether Donald Trump is going to lose re-election. Nobody's mentioned Joe Biden in that last segment at all. It's, so that's always um, what incumbent president ele- presidential elections are always about. The incumbent they're never about the challenger. It's going to be even more so this time. Well, we're going to move on to our quick fire round. We take questions from our listeners who uh, send them in via email, podcast at politicon.com, or through Instagram or Twitter at politicon. Um, we do we call this quick fire. It almost never ends up being quick. Let's see how well this, this group of folks can make them quick. One question or two questions for each of you from a listener. Specifically, Rachel from Atlanta asks, Kaya, should President Trump have the power to overrule his top health experts, Kaya? 100% if he feels that that is what is best for the people. But I think he's listening to them and taking heed in what they're saying because they are really brilliant minds that were, that people are undermining, which is just an insult to them. Guy Riley in Dallas asks, social media helped Donald Trump win last time. Will it destroy him in 2020? No. Look at that guy is doing the quick Boom. fire. Guys, guy. just you're batting a thousand here tonight. Guy, no, guy, if, guy if he look, I mean, a thousand. I'll give him that tonight. He's I mean, if, if he loses, if he loses, it's not going to be because of social media. Okay, very good. Noel, Gary in Memphis. Many people have come forward claiming that President Trump is losing his mind. Why will no one in the political sphere act on it? That's a great question, and that's what I have personal experience with. Um, I, I happen to know he's addicted to, you know, Adderall. I've seen him abuse it many times on set when I worked with him. But it's uh, one of those things. I'm going to call bullshit on that because I was on the okay. show and, n- and I never. And you mentioned earlier that he call, he canceled shoots. I mean, nothing will piss me off more than being put in a position of having to defend that man. But I have to right now <laughs> because I, I, none of that it just makes it. me sick to my stomach. But, but no one who I've spoken to who's been on multiple shows of the uh, seasons of the apprentice has ever seen any anything that even came remotely close to drug use alcohol use anything from him nor him showing up late to shoots i mean it, it i just don't it, it didn't happen 
I saw it, Clay. He didn't do it. But on I was camera. there too, and I never it. saw you. I know, but, but I didn't see. But I saw him every day. <laughs> I was there at the finales. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've seen him coming out of his dressing room do it. I saw him do cocaine. You know, in 2002. Well, I, I, I didn't oh even know he gosh. had a dressing room because none of us did. He, there were no dressing rooms on Apprentice. But we'll move on. That's not um, true. Chris. Okay. Uh, yeah. God, amazing. I was there the whole time. Um, <laughs> Chris Hahn, uh, Eric from Cleveland asks: New York's death numbers are way worse than even Florida. Shouldn't we be harder on? Cuomo than DeSantis? I think Cuomo today said he wished he would have pulled the trigger sooner on this. I think Cuomo has been hardest on himself. And New York, quite frankly, look, New York City, we live on top of each other there. And it's very difficult to control. But I think that, you know, it's it's impossible in this region to just do a one state solution for things. We need to all be in it together and work on it together. But yeah, I mean, look, Cuomo Cuomo has been very hard on himself, and he said today he wishes he would have started sooner. De Blasio is awful. There's another thing we might agree with. What are you doing to me tonight? Guy, guy, I am not going to defend de Blasio, and I will also point one thing out. He did something today. He did something today that really annoyed me. That tweet that you just mentioned. I mean, that's just despicable. And any any defense of him that I ever would have made ever is now gone. I'll never defend him again. Oh, Damn, good, Guy, man. you are just, this is freaking me out, Guy Benson. I love Guy. Guy is just like, pew, 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 pew. Kaya, I just, Kaya, one, I Kaya, one more from you. Points. I got all my right, points you over just, here in the corner. Right? The, uh, yeah, you're on fire tonight, honey. Cassie from Washington, <laughs> D.C. asks, Kaya, is now the time that we need universal health care more than ever? I think we need good, comprehensive health care. I, I don't know if I agree with universal health care because I do think that everyone should have a choice and even the right to try, which was what I was trying to bring up earlier with what Trump enforced. Right to try, you know, has helped a lot of people to try different methods that they weren't allowed to try unless they had, you know, all of the the back end and the FDA approval and all of that. And, and the right to try has saved a lot of lives. So I, I, I think comprehensive health care is important. I don't agree with universal health care necessarily, but I think that this is a good learning curve on what we're going to need to do medically um, to make our country better in our health care system because it's broken. It's been broken. Okay, Guy Benson, Pritham from Allentown asks, should Mike Pence have worn a mask at the Mayo Clinic? I actually had the great pleasure of missing this entire news cycle controversy. So I don't, <laughs> oh, even, you. <laughs> I don't even quite know what happened. But if he didn't wear a mask where one should wear a mask, I think he's done a very, very good job overall. But sure, he should have worn a mask. I just don't know enough to give a definitive statement. But my gut is, when in doubt, wear a mask. That was a very, listen, honest... I- there you go. Look at there. No, no. Uh, Travis from Indianapolis is 70 years old, too old to run the country. No, no. Okay, I don't think well, it that's is. A, you that's know, a safe a answer. You, you can't answer that one in a partisan way this year, can you? Because both of them are over <laughs> it. And finally, and finally, Chris Hahn, uh, Terry from Newark. Democrats squandered their chance to give struggling Americans direct cash payments. That check was signed by Trump. Are Schumer and Pelosi out of touch with the people? I have no idea what she even means by that question. Donald Trump, look, I the do. Democrats... <laughs> The Democrats well, it ain't your question, girl, Chris. <laughs> she directs. She direct. This is a whole New Jersey thing. The, he, he directed. <laughs> they, 
they gave them direct cash payments. Trump held them up to sign the check. I mean, who does that? And by the way, he didn't even sign it. He put it in the memo section of the check, like what you do when you like, you know, when you're giving your kid some some money to go on a field trip. This is for, you know, going to the Bronx. Chris, Zoo. everybody knows Pelosi held up our checks. Come on oh, now. Please. Trump held up Kaya, checks I'm cut for you two off. weeks. You can't so answer someone could... else's quick fire questions. Trump, Trump Trump held up the checks so he could put his name on it because that's what Trump has done his entire life. Just put his names on name on things that he didn't build. And now I'm going to cut you off, Chris, because even though that was quite funny, um, it is quick fire and we got to wrap it up for the week. Uh, Noel Kassler, Chris Hahn, Guy Benson, and Kaya Jones, thank you so much. Where can we find y'all? Where can we see you? I know that you're, we're all stuck inside. So, Noel, you may not be uh, out on the road any at all, but where can people find you on social media and, and elsewhere? Um, on Twitter, I'm at Kassler Noel. Um, Instagram, noelcastler.com. And when the world opens up again, you can find me in New York City comedy clubs and all over the country. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. The aggressive progressive people can find that where? They can find it wherever they download podcasts. And I'm on the radio all over the country. Go to ChristopherHahn.com or at ChristopherHahn on Twitter. I'm ChristopherHahnNY on Instagram, but nobody cares about me on Instagram. I do. I'm going to follow. Guy Thanks, Benson, you're, um, you're, we can read your stuff at Town Hall some and see you at Fox. What else? Where else can we find you? Yep, townhall.com, guybensonshow.com. That's my daily radio show through Fox. It's national. On Twitter and Instagram, at Guy P. Benson. And just one thought, a friend of mine in Chicago has started every week having people walking by when they walk their dogs drop off non-perishable items, and he and his wife and his kid have been taking those to a local food bank. It's gotten really big in Chicago. And so he sort You're of challenged me. Your house. I'm, I called my local food bank to make a donation. They said their need is up by double in the last month. So if you're able to do something like that, it's simple, it's easy, it's a small donation. It can really help. Amen. We're going to put Guy's home address in the comments section, and uh, <laughs> please, you can drop anything you'd like to off at his uh, at his on his front That's really porch. That's really beautiful, Guy. That's really beautiful. It is. Good stuff, Guy. Yeah, Kaya, uh, where can we find you? Obviously, we know we can hear you singing uh, anywhere you can yeah. get music, but where else can we find yeah. you? Yeah, um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Kaya Jones, on Instagram at Kaya Jones, and on Facebook at Kaya's Music. And we have new music, Christian music coming out with uh, Dion Warwick's son, Damon Elliott. So. Yeah, I'm now singing for the Lord and rooting for Trump. There you have it. Very, very nice. Thank you all again so much for um, being with us this week. Thank you very much also to those who are listening. This we'll be was back so here. much fun. Good. It was, wasn't it? We'll be back here next week with um, with another episode. And, and I, who knows, maybe we will eventually figure out how the heck are we going to get along. Thirteen days of Halloween. A remote hotel, the most unusual guests, a tour guide that can't be trusted. And the newest arrival is you. Why are you here again? They sound like someone you trust. I know you can hear me. Starring Keegan-Michael Key as the caretaker. Please make yourself at home. After all, this is it. One story each night starting October 19th and ending on Halloween.
From iHeartRadio and Blumhouse Television, listen to Aaron Mankey's 13 Days of Halloween on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. After you listen to today's podcast, here's one to add to your playlist. I'm Christian O'Connell, and I've had this thought for a while. What if you took the world's funniest and most interesting people... Hello, I'm Ricky Gervais. I'm Celeste Barber. Some people call me Beyonce. I'm Russell Brand. ...and asked them to share the stories behind their three most treasured items. No doubt about it, the guitar. I think I know the same chords now as I did when I was 14. From iHeartRadio, this is The Stuff of Legends. Add it to your playlist for free. Just search for Stuff of Legends in your podcast app.